how are we helping the individuals within the company to make sure that their lives are taken care of? They have the benefits they need. They're being paid. That pay is equitable. It's fair. It's at market or above. What are we doing to ensure that they're not focused on those items or those matters so they can focus on our customers? So serving customers first, being bold, moving fast, and winning is one are the areas or the words that we use to clearly define and articulate the expectations of our employee base. There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent, is the individual. The way we work has changed forever, and highly skilled talent is demanding flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. This podcast brings together thought leaders, staffing experts, and top talent to talk about the evolving nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to remain competitive, drive innovation, and ensure success. Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew M.F. Miller. I'm pleased to welcome Angela Santone, Senior Executive Vice President of Human Resources at AT AT&T. Angela has spent two decades in HR at Turner Broadcasting, where she served as Executive Vice President and Global Chief Human Resources Officer from 2013 until 2019. After AT&T bought Time Warner, which owned Turner, Angela became AT&T's Chief Administrative Officer. She was named the company's Senior Executive Vice President for Human Resources in 2019. In this role, Angela oversees the company's global human resources strategy for more than 200,000 employees across four business units. In the last couple of years, she's emerged as a leader in designing flexible, family-friendly policies that include generous caregiver leave, reproductive benefits, and adoption assistance. Angela is also active in many trade and community organizations. She heads the governance committee for the National Board of the Women in Cable Telecommunications. She's a Southwest trustee for the Boys and Girls Club of America, and she's a member of the Children's Healthcare of Atlanta's Hope Circle. Welcome, Angela. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Many of AT&T's workers were literally frontline workers during the pandemic, making sure cell towers functioned properly and that broadband was stable and efficient. This work allows so many people to work and go to school remotely. How did you motivate your employees to continue showing up during the most dangerous and uncertain days of the pandemic? And how did you reassure them you were doing your best to keep them safe? First and foremost, I think actions speak louder than words. From an action perspective, we over-communicated, so we ensured that they knew exactly what we knew as soon as we had the information. We partnered with Mount Sinai, which is a hospital based in New York, so we had professionals and experts that were working alongside us to ensure that the policies and procedures that we put in place were definitely based on the latest and greatest information that we had at our fingertips. We also created different types of work models. And so right now, you know, we have employees that are working full-time from home. We have individuals that are hybrid workers that are working from home and coming into the office a couple of days a week. And then we have individuals that are full-time workers that are required to be in the office on a daily basis. We created sites where individuals could go in. We have a COVID internet where you can go in. There's all types of FAQs and information and ways to get the equipment you need to be able to do your job effectively. When individuals were diagnosed with COVID, they could take 10 days paid. And we covered first dollar out of the pocket for any type of COVID illness We provided testing, we provided the vaccine on site in many of our locations. So we've done everything we possibly can 
to ensure that our employees feel safe at work and also provided them with the tools they needed at home, whether that be through additional hours being provided by our employee assistance program. We've launched a new system called Mequilibrium, which enables employees to be able to have online counseling and therapy. Another online offer that we recently launched is Hinge Health because what we know today is that people are sitting more than ever and they need to be up and moving as well to stay healthy. There's been a a large multitude of things that we've done for our employee base to ensure that they're not only physically safe and healthy, but also mentally healthy and safe. Early on in COVID, when things were so uncertain, on the personal level as a leader, how did you instill confidence in your workforce when maybe you were still feeling a little uncertain yourself? That's a great question. You know, I think that we all have been on a journey the last year and a half. And so I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's been perfect for any of us. And what we've talked about with our employees and especially with our managers is the need for compassion. And I think having that hypersensitivity to know that you're now seeing in people's homes, you're seeing, you know, they're dealing with not only the fact that they're taking care of their children potentially, but also their parents or their loved ones. So there's a delicate balance that's been underway. We've asked our managers to be as flexible, open, and compassionate as possible to enable our employees to be able to juggle all the balls that they have in the air. With Caregiver Lead, which I am extremely proud of, that's enabled us to provide our employees with the opportunity to take 15 days of paid leave to take care of their loved ones, family members. We also have it available for individuals that are dealing with domestic abuse or any type of sexual assault or stalking. So this is something where we're recognizing the fact that different people are are on a different journey as we've gone through this entire process through this global pandemic. So we really want to ensure that we're meeting employees where they are. So take the time you need to take care of your life outside of work. And then take advantage of the time you have from a vacation perspective, the PTO, you know, that we have available to actually recharge and become ready for the next time or the next day that you're back in the office. We're trying really hard to have a line of demarcation between those types of leaves so that our employees can actually take care of themselves. Because I think we all agree and know that if you're not taking care of yourself, it's hard for you to take care of others. And it's also hard for you to be fully focused and doing your best work here at at and I want to stay on the topic of some of those benefits you were just talking about. You've taken the lead on some truly exciting family-friendly benefits to support your employees. And at and recently introduced benefits such as coverage for IVF and egg freezing, adoption assistance, and the caregiver leave program you were talking about. Why are these programs so vital for both the company and the employee? It really is all about recognizing the whole self and where different people are in their lives. I mean, You talked about the opportunity for any type of fertility treatments or any type. We have adoption leave, obviously, or caregiver leave. But we also are very mindful of the fact, even with our benefits, you know, if you can be a part of an HSA account, previously it was only focused on healthcare, and now we provide a choice account. So if for me at this point in my life, I have to focus on saving money for my child's college education, I have the ability to do that. If I'm a new college graduate, I can easily begin to set money aside then to pay back my college loans and the company matches that. Or you can also be in a position where you're more concerned about your healthcare costs and your HSA for when you retire and the company matches that as well. And we have a really aggressive match on that front. So 
we're focused on meeting employees where they are in their life cycle. And I think that really is critically important to being an employer where your employees want to be. And whenever they're considering, should I look at it? Should I take this call that I'm getting from a recruiter or should I stay at AT AT&T? I personally believe that these types of benefits really make a difference. So you've been working in a corporate setting for the majority of your career. How did your personal experience, especially as a a woman working in a corporate setting, impact your decision to lead these benefits being offered to employees? There was a specific time in my career, and I was at the director level and really trying hard to prove myself as an up-and-coming executive, but also knowing that my priorities, also my focus was on these two children I had that were one and three years old. So I had a situation where I had someone in home taking care of the boys and literally on a Wednesday, they walked out. And so here we are in a situation where we had to make the decision about who continues to work. And now one of us needs to stay home. Probably similar to many situations, my husband made more money than I made. So that became an easy decision that I was the one that would stay home to take care of our children. So I went in the next day and resigned. I told my boss, I was like, I can't do this anymore. She gave me some really sound advice that I've never forgotten. And she said to me, Angela, don't live your life in absolute terms. We can help you figure out another way. What that meant was I had to take three weeks of unpaid leave in order to find someone else to come into the home and take care of our children. But I can tell you at that point in my career, going without pay for three weeks, it hurt. It was really difficult. And although I came out on the other side, and I think now I wouldn't be talking to you today if I had lived my life in absolutes. What I don't want to have happen to the individuals that come after me is to have to deal with it the way I did. So for me, when I think about what the opportunities are, I'm always trying to think, how do I make it better for people based on the experiences I've had, based on the experiences I've heard about, based on experiences I've learned from my mother and my other family members that have worked while raising families? I mean, we all want to work in a place where we know we're working with colleagues and with a company that's always looking out for our best interest. COVID has led to a lot of people leaving the workforce, but it's been a lot of women leaving the workforce as well. The great resignation is now top of mind for pretty much anyone involved in hiring. What are you doing to attract and retain top talent for AT&T? So listen, the great resignation is like constantly on my mind. When I think about the fact that over 2 million women have left the workforce since COVID started, it's incredibly concerning. And so as a company, we have mentoring sessions. We have the Women of AT&T, which is a large organization that really helps to support and mentor women. We have leadership development programs for individuals. So we have college tuition reimbursement. We have different types of personal learning experiences that individuals are engaged in. In addition to all the health and well-being that we provide, Across the board, we're doing everything we can. And fortunately, we haven't seen a significant uptick of women leaving AT&T, which I'm really proud of, but I'm not going to rest on our laurels and think, okay, this is, you know, we've got this figured out. We are always going to be pushing ourselves to think about what else should we be offering? But what I've been pushing our leadership to think about, how do you shift this from the great attrition to the great attraction? 
And so I've really been thinking about what else do we need to be doing to ensure that people think of AT&T as a place they want to work because they know that we always are doing the right thing. We're a highly values-based company and that we are really the company where they can come and bring their whole selves to work and be successful. I love that. AT&T has been part of several large, high-profile mergers over the past few years and is now is about to spin off Warner Media. What does it take to successfully merge workplace cultures? I firmly believe you grow and cultivate culture. It's not something you mandate or something that you can enforce. I think you have to be very mindful with culture, that it really is focused on what I think of as the three C's. So it's really about communication. It's about clarity. And it's really about consistency. And so whenever we are focused and we, you know, we have a very, we've had four cultural tenants here at AT AT&T that we shared based on employee feedback. Everything that we have from a culture perspective was based on what our employees told us. And so these culture tenants are very important to us and employees resonate with them because it came from them. They told us what the areas that we need to focus on and highlight in order to be even more successful as a company. Whenever you merge cultures, you have to be very mindful of what that company, other company has. They have their own subcultures, but what you want to ensure is that everyone has a shared understanding of what behaviors you want them to exhibit. And so I think as long as you have an appreciation and you're very clear in communicating what those expectations are, you also have clarity around what that means to the organization and how it helps to move you forward. And then you're consistent talk about it all the time. You're always sharing stories about successes. To me, that's how it becomes a part of the organization. You mentioned those four employee-led culture tenants. What are they and why did you look to your employees to help create those? If we didn't take advantage of the opportunity to get it from the experts, which by the way, are employees, (laughs) they know this company, they know what's important. So it was it was this resounding focus on customers. So the first one's really all about serving customers first. Our employees have a passion about serving the customers. In every company, there's always room for opportunity. And that was an area where com- our employees were like, empower us, give us the opportunity to serve our customers and to take care of their issues. And we've done that. The other one is being bold. This is all about candor. It's all about respect. But we want individuals to share their opinions and to feel included and to know that they their opinions matter. The third one is about moving fast. Where can we simplify the work so that individuals are not focused on unnecessary approvals or reviews? They're focused on serving the customers first. And then the fourth, but I would personally say my favorite and most important, is winning is one. And that's where we really think about diversity, equity, inclusion. We think about putting the broader company ahead of our own personal agenda. And how do we really come together as a team to collaborate and to achieve the success and the growth that we have ahead of us? Last year, you've released a major culture initiative for AT&T. Can you tell us a bit about that and what inspired you to create it? So as a company, we had gone through a good bit of change. You know, we had a new CEO that was named in April And as a result of that, and and then COVID and, you know, there had just been this immense amount of change. So what we found, and based on employee feedback, once again, employee feedback is critical when you're thinking about the behaviors or the culture tenants that you want 
your employees to be focused on or, or that they share, we thought it would be helpful to have consistent language and language matters. It really, the words you use, the way you describe it, the way you talk about it, having common language really matters. And so whenever we had the opportunity to do all these focus groups, to do surveys, to talk with employees, to talk with leaders, we thought this is the time for us to get very clear, concise and communicate what our expectations are. And once again, it doesn't, it's not just about what you're doing. It's also about how you're doing it. And so even with our performance management process, we're looking at what are the goals you're achieving and how are you achieving those goals? So it goes back once again, to serve customers first, really important because for us, our customers are our top priority. And in HR, we look at this as how are we helping the individuals within the company to make sure that their lives are taken care of, they have the benefits they need, they're being paid, that pay is equitable, it's fair, it's at market or above. What are we doing to ensure that they're not focused on those items or those matters so they can focus on our customers? So serving customers first, being bold, moving fast and winning is one are the areas or the words that we use to clearly define and articulate the expectations of our employee base. Thinking about it now, a little over a year later, launching that during a global pandemic, I feel like we were all a little bit overachievers <laughs> thinking, you know, with everything else going on in the world. But I have to tell you, it has really resonated. I think it's made a positive impact on our employee base. You know, I think COVID reminded us too, the importance of media is, is great. And CNN continued to broadcast and HBO was still able to produce shows throughout the pandemic, even when talent and crews had to social distance. What were some of the creative methods your team employed to ensure media was still being created? We had constant testing underway. And this is obviously before we had the vaccine available. We went above and beyond once again to make sure our employees were safe. And testing was a critical component of that. And so we had testing sites set up everywhere. And if there were any points in time where there was a COVID case, we did all the contact tracing, which if you've ever done that, you know, can be an extremely labor intensive process. But we did everything we could to ensure that our employees were taken care of and could trust that they weren't in a situation that was going to cause any type of physical harm or illness to them. And so I think testing was the key for us, but it was also ensuring that people followed the policies and procedures we had in place with masks, with the attestation. So it went across the board. And now obviously we're in a much better place, but it's amazing to see some of the shows that were filmed before COVID and then had to pick up and film after COVID. Typically, potentially when you would have seen city street shots, they were no longer there. I mean, there were things that they had to, they had to, they had to be very creative in how they created or how they set up those scenes moving forward. But I'm proud to say that we were able to do everything that was needed so that our talent and all of our union members and our all the staff producers felt comfortable and confident that they could go back into the workplace and know that they were taken care of and that we had taken every precaution possible to protect them. COVID accelerated the future of work as well. And AT&T is one of the companies that's drastically rethinking the way teams will work in the future. And has even talked about the metaverse, which is a kind of hybrid in-person remote workspace. As AT&T creates these tools for the world at large, how is it also reimagining its own workplaces for the future? 
So we've identified three different types of classifications for our employee base. And one being hybrid, where you have individuals that are working at home, but also are coming into the office on days where they have the opportunities to collaborate, brainstorm, do any type of team building. We have individuals that are working in the office full-time. And as I mentioned earlier, the ones that never left, but also people that are coming back now on a more regular basis and are in the office four days a week, potentially three to four days a week. And then finally, we have the individuals that are working from home full-time. I think if COVID's taught us anything, it's that you can be just as effective and efficient working from home as you can be working in an office. So... Angela, my last question for you is, you've been leading for a while. What's something you wish you had known earlier? When I think about my younger self, you know, the fact that I'm this far along in my career and I'm actually now beginning to think about the next stage of like, what do I want to do when I grow up at some point? Because these types of jobs, the intensity, the demands, doing this for so long can be challenging. And I think we all know that these seats are rented. And at some point, it's time for you to move on. So someone else has the opportunity to make an impact in a different way. But I would tell myself that, you know, things work out, do your best work, show up every day with a a good attitude, positive attitude, be mindful and respectful of the people you work with, regardless of their position, regardless of what they do. It's really about being respectful and enjoying the ride. Angela, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. That was fun, I think. That was very fun. (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Talent Economy. I'm your host, Matthew M.F. Miller. You can find much more information about The Talent Economy on staffing.com and toptal.com slash insights. Hubs for bold, comprehensive content featuring business thought leaders and authoritative research focused on the future of work.